You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. We knew it was bound to happen. That doesn't mean it hurts any less when it's as ugly, ugly, ugly as it was. Unfortunately, welcome into the first loss episode edition of the BGN Instant Reaction Show. I'm Jesse Taylor, Shane Half, as always. Shane, what happened? Start us off. What happened? I still don't know. I'm still trying to think through and reconcile the 18 absurd things that happened at the end of that game. So I don't even know. I don't even know where to start tonight. Okay, let's start. Let's 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 start with. Okay, let's start with the first half, because I think the first half, the issue was solely the defense, right? Like the defense could not get themselves off the field outside of a Josh Sweat strip sack. They were, they were one Josh Sweat strip sack away from complete and utter disaster in the first half. What, what, what? So last week, we had a whole, you know, conversation thing. Last couple of weeks, it was, you know, it's time to start giving Jonathan Gannon his, his credit for what he's done with this defense. Where, where did that go? Where, well, I'm sorry, this is the man that I thought we left. He was gone. Where? Why has he returned? Don't forget that the Eagles' defense forced a three and out on the opening drive, and we had a nice little special teams penalty to put the Commanders right back on the field. Um, so if you, we're going to start at the first half, yeah, I mean, if we're going to start at the first half, let's start there. And a Josh Sweat comes yeah. back out and gets the strip sack. That should Absolutely. be the Commanders' second possession. Like mm-hmm. starting the game awful there, and right. then. I mean, credit to the commanders. They came in with a good game plan to run the ball, sure. to run clock. Um, a lot of hate for Jonathan Gannon flying around on the timeline. But at the end of the day, the commanders were averaging 3.4 yards per carry on the ground in the first half. They, they ended the game at like 3.1 yards per carry. The run game was fine. Like they did fine stopping the run. They put the commanders consistently in third and short and third and medium situations. The commanders are ranked 27th in the NFL in third down conversion percentage at like 34%. Right. They converted at an absurd rate today. Absurd. Uh, where's the, I, I had the numbers pulled up there. Tw- uh, well, okay. It ended up as bad 12 of 21 because the defense got a little better in the second half, but sure. They were well, the first half. It was what, like eleven for thirteen, something ridiculous. Yeah, it was crazy. And the Eagles were living in their five-man fronts to try to stop the run. That mm-hmm. pretty much puts you in man-to-man coverage on the back end or quarters coverage. It turns into man coverage. It doesn't matter. Regardless, nobody was winning matchups against receivers on third downs. Darius Slay. I, I I don't know. I'd have to go rewatch the DK Metcalf game to see which one was his worst game as an Eagle, but. Uh, I'll go with season by far. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go with tonight just for recency bias. Uh, 
AJ Brown probably has his worst game as an Eagle tonight. Yep. You get all of the flukiness of the the Dallas Goddard fumble, which I won't go off on the officiating yet, but the Dallas Goddard yep. fumble. Then you have they come back and they get the holding penalty and first and twenty. And I'm thinking, just get a few yards. It doesn't have to be a deep shot. And Hertz drops back and he rips a deep shot. And I'm just like, oh no. And then it's a beautiful ball on the money to Quez Watkins that he should have caught in stride for a touchdown. And instead, he takes a bad angle, he dives, he trips over himself, and then he fumbles the ball. Just like thing after thing after thing. And it was funny. The defense finally started getting the stops. And then the offense just couldn't do anything with them. Just so many things went wrong for the Eagles tonight. And yeah. There's going to be a lot of blame and there's a lot of blame to go around. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of hate for Jonathan Gannon on the timeline that, to be honest, I don't think is fair. I, I think the defensive scheme did what it was supposed to do. And it put this secondary that is allegedly elite that we've called elite all season. It put them in positions to win one on one matchups on third down and get off the field. And they just didn't do it. I think the frustration comes in when at the end of the day, the secondary that the Eagles have is they they are superior to the wide receivers that were lined up against them. And for some reason, you know, one of the things, I don't remember if it was last week or the week before, I think it was against the Steelers that on the broadcast, all that was being talked about was, was that a Tony Romo game? Was that a Tony Romo, Romo and Jim? Yeah, Nancy? he was on the Steelers game, I think. Okay. So I think I think it was Tony Romo that was, talking about he said you know you can tell how much respect a receiver is getting or how dangerous a receiver is based on how much space the corner is giving him at the line of scrimmage and i think that is what where the anger comes in at jonathan gannon is because you have guys like darius slay who are out there who are the superior person in that matchup playing five, six, seven yards off to start. That is where it's where it gets frustrating because that is never a recipe for, for some of these guys to win, especially in the way that they play and the way that they have been playing, the style they've been playing, where they've been so successful, especially over these last you know five, six weeks where the defense has really been clicking and has been playing extremely, extremely well. I That's where at least my frustration with Jonathan Gannon comes in. I don't disagree with you in that the way that they were schemed as a whole, they got the commanders where they wanted them, but then, you know, continued to not execute costly penalties, things just not going their way, et cetera. But I think that's where the main source of frustration comes in to Jonathan Gannon. And I get that. Uh, And I think a big portion of that is, you know, Terry McLaurin is fast and Mm -hmm. a lot of what they're trying to do to compensate for Jordan Davis being out, because it all starts there. Uh, to compensate for all the adjustments you have to make to the defense. One of the things that you have to do is your linebackers have to play faster to the holes. Uh, Your safeties have to fill down to the run faster now than they used to have to. And so you're not as protected over the top as you would like. And so when you put a speedy receiver like Terry McLaurin out there, and if you put Darius Slay up on the line of scrimmage, he might win 75% of those reps, 80% of those reps, but the one or two where McLaurin gets behind him, there's nobody there. And so I, I I understand why people would be frustrated and how it looks on TV, but schematically, I think Gannon did the best that he could do with the hand he's dealt at this point. And, and to be honest, most of what I see people upset about is really a lack of execution from some players, specifically in the secondary. 
more mm-hmm. so than the scheme. Sure. That was the secondary in the first half that was unbelievably frustrating. The other half of that in the first half that was unbelievably frustrating for me personally on the offensive side, because obviously the offense did not have the ball for very long in the first half at all, but when they did have the ball, they were able to execute and kept themselves in the game. However, the one thing that then continued over into the third quarter that frustrated me the most was um, where on God's green earth was Miles Sanders? Yeah, uh, the Eagles clearly came into the game with the plan to attack Washington through the air, which worked well for them in week three. Fine. Uh Washington's got a really good run defense. They're not nearly as good against the pass. And if you look at how the Eagles' possessions went, their their first possession's obviously real short. They started on the 18-yard line after the strip sack. Mm-hmm. The second possession, they went the length of the field largely through the air. Right. And then the third possession is the interception on a throw that I wouldn't have made. It's into double coverage. It does hit A.J. Brown in the hands. You couldn't throw it more perfectly. It's kind of like the first one against the Steelers. It was into double coverage. I wouldn't have thrown it. Brown came down with that when he didn't hear. And then your next possession is your... Yeah, yeah. And then your next possession is the two-minute drill. So passing the ball was working in the first half. Washington ate a lot of clock. And so, you know, people will throw out the stat. It was two runs by running backs in the first half. Well, there really weren't that many plays. Um, and then I felt like they did a better job of mixing it up to try to, especially to try to get the legs back under the defense. Your defense has been on the field the whole game. And so I thought they went to the run more out of necessity there to get the offense in sync and in rhythm, but I didn't have a problem with how the offense played the first half. They scored two of four possessions. You had the interception that hit Brown in the hands, and then you had a quick three and out in a two minute drill situation. Um, it was just a weird game flow with Washington holding the ball for so long. No team has done that against the Eagles so far this year. No, no team has been able to do that against the Eagles so far. And I think, you know, I, I can't figure out why, again, like I under, I, I'm with you. I understand the, that the, uh, that, that Washington has a better you know, run defense than they do pass defense. But you also saw what Miles Sanders did when they actually started utilizing him. He's been one of the best running backs in football this year. And I don't understand why, when you realize where you are in time of possession and the person that you choose to utilize in that situation is Kenneth Gainwell to try to allow yourself to keep your defense off the field. And I know that the past game was working aside from you know, X, Y, Z, but one of the issues that I had a lot last season with this coaching staff was the lack of feel for the game. And I thought to, that has not happened so far this season. They had been doing a very good job with their adjustments, staying in tune with what the game needed. It seemed like they were just all over the place tonight. Everyone, players, coaches, everybody. Everyone was all over the place. No adjustments were made. And they just could, could not get anything going at all. And then you throw in the refs, and that's a whole other shit show. Yeah, I- I, I didn't mind the off. I, I honestly, I, schematically, game plan wise, I didn't mind the defensive or the offensive approaches. Uh, we, we talked about the defense, the inability right. to get off the field on third downs. On the offense, I thought it came down to a litany of bad breaks. Um, mm-hmm. And sure. we've talked about the Eagles' turnover differential. They've been positive in every game. They've like dub- they have double the turnover differential of the next best team. And you know, at a certain point turnovers there's a luck based element to that specifically with fumbles uh fumbles there's a lot of luck to that and you saw that not go the eagles way tonight and 
you know, if it's going to happen, I'd rather it happen in a week 10 game, week nine, whatever week this is, week 10, it's our ninth game, week 10. I'd rather it happen now than, you know, against the Cowboys on Christmas Eve and it, or down the stretch in a playoff game. And so it, it sucks and it's frustrating. And it really felt like every time the offense would start to get rolling, some other catastrophe would happen. Dallas Goddard gets his helmet ripped off and fumbles the ball. Quez Watkins fumbles the ball. I mean, it's just thing after thing after thing. And I don't know. I don't, I don't know how much you take away from this game so much as just my mindset about this game is it it sucked. You flush it away and you move on. Like you, you've got a nine game sample size and the Eagles have not looked remotely like this in any of those games. Um, And so at a certain point, I, I, I just chalk this one up to a whole lot of bad luck. Washington played a good game. Uh, the Eagles struggled in every way imaginable, and it, it's not they got beat in ways that you haven't seen them play this year. You haven't seen Darius Slay right. look that bad. You haven't Lost. seen the Eagles turn the ball over. Uh, yeah. I I won't say you haven't seen the Eagles special teams absolutely suck because you have, but everything <laughs> else was new. And so I'm gonna go with the eight game sample size over this one. Uh, and yeah. if the Eagles needed a reality check, which I don't think Jalen Hurts is the type of quarterback that is going to let a team start smelling themselves too much. But if they needed that reality check, there here it go. is. And you got to get ready for a Sunday game against the Colts now on a short week. Yeah. I mean, I remember it, 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 now that you kind of point that out, like it reminds me very much of that 2017 game in Seattle. Remember, like everything was fine. They won what, nine straight? And all of a sudden, they just played this game where they all looked like chickens with their heads cut off. Coaches, players, nothing worked. Everything went the wrong way. Fumbles out the back of the end zone for touchbacks. Like, everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. And they looked – I mean, it was it was disturbing how that, how that team looked that night after how good they had looked leading up to that. So it gives, you're, you're right. It gives me those kind of vibes. You kind of file it away. It happened. We move on. Um, where do you sit on, we're going to get into the officiating now. Um, where do you sit on the twofold question? Ability to review penalties or upon a review, insert a penalty that's as blatant and missed, especially when it comes to player safety, like that face mask. And similarly with where do you stand on the final, essentially that the call that ended the game on the, the roughing the passer. Yeah. We tried the whole reviewing pass interference thing a couple of years ago, and that was just a farce. Um, and I get why you can't oh, review was, that. That's a, yeah, that, that's a judgment call. You can't really get into that too much right. uh, on review. And especially none of we've watched these NFL refs for years. None of them are going to admit that they're wrong. That's more so what I tended to notice when it was a PI call that was PI, was called PI, and they tried to say it wasn't PI, but it wasn't PI. One of those. They're not going to admit like, oh, I made the wrong call there. And I think that's where it's, but it needs it within the missed calls. Things like exactly what happened. Yeah. For, I, I think, I think that a face mask is something that you could put in on review. I, I don't want I don't want the game stopped a half dozen times to review things like that. But 
right. you know, college reviews targeting and I hate the targeting rule and how they implement it, but they're reviewing to make sure they got a call right there. Something like face masks, not a judgment call. I wouldn't have a problem with you inserting face mask off. I, I don't want it with pass interference, probably not withholding, you know, with those uh, sorts of more judgment calls that, you know, you can slow every play down frame by frame and find a pass interference or a holding. But for those players, say, if it's personal foul penalty, face mask, an unnecessary roughness, hitting a guy who's still in bounds, I don't have a problem with those being reviewed. Um, now, officiating as a whole tonight, and I'll be clear, officiating is not why the Eagles lost this game. Not why. They, the, but the officiating was poor uh, across the board. It, mm-hmm. the, the Chauncey Gardner-Johnson penalty, like the receiver, I think it was Curtis Samuel, he literally puts another foot down inbounds after he gets hit. Like this isn't he's, he's near the sideline. He gets hit and puts another foot down inbounds, and they flagged Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Uh, yep. You have the missed face mask. Now, I will say, I thought that the pass interference that they called on Washington on that third down conversion, I wouldn't have thrown that flag. So I thought the Eagles caught one there. I thought that was pretty clean. Um, yep. And then you get to the one at the end. I I have never seen, I've never seen a quarterback kneel down in a situation like that. Like you've seen it in, in victory situation. formation. I've never seen it was, we're going to drop back to throw the ball. And now I'm about to get sacked. So I just dropped down. I, I mean, you've seen like, the whole Peyton Manning just turtling thing. I've never right. seen somebody just go down. Brandon Graham said after the game that he thought Heineke was about to get back up. He was trying to touch him down, right. which I mean, Brandon Graham's a vet. He should know the guy drops down to a knee. He's given himself up, especially as a quarterback. That's over. I don't fault him for that in the heat of the moment. I, I don't know. Yeah. I I don't think he even got hit that hard. I think it was a nice little flop job there by Taylor oh, Heineke. A flop job because you saw how quickly he popped up when he, when he was trying to, you know, remind the ref that he needed to throw that flag. Yeah. I I don't I don't fault the refs on that one. Like it was a good sell job by Heineke. Graham came in hard. I mean he tried he didn't try to hit him hard, but he he comes no. in hard. That's just a bad break. And that's the sort of thing that you can't let the game come down to. You can't let the game come down to having to get off the field with two minutes left on your home field against a below five hundred division rival when you've had ten days to get ready. You can't do that. Because a ref can make a bad call, and you should never let it get down to that. But I didn't think that one was as egregious, but there were some egregious calls in the game. Yeah, and I absolutely agree with you. The the officiating is not why they lost the game. They continuously shot themselves in the foot. They absolutely could not get out of their own way. Um, And, you know, it's – yeah, this is is a great point. It's not why we lost, but it absolutely guaranteed that – you know, they, they couldn't come back every time there was, there was a touch of momentum. Some, you know, it was either a fumble or, you know, a, a missed call, non-call shouldn't have been called is what happened. And, and that's, you know, sort of the story of, of what happened tonight, unfortunately. And, you know, it's, it's, it's how they came out of the game. And, you know, I think starting with that special teams penalty, it might've been something that we all should, we should have been like, all right, everybody let's buckle up. It's going to be one of those nights. Um, but have you, you know, ever seen an illegal man downfield on a punt? I've never even heard of such a thing. No, but I've never seen that. I mean, you, even just something so simple as that, the penalty, which is caused by a guy coming unblocked off the edge. Yes. It forces you to repunt. 
Yes. And then off of the repunt, you don't tell your punter, hey, there's 208 left. Make sure you get this out of bounds so we save the two-minute warning. Like, right. so many miscues there. It caught, uh, that costs the Eagles a timeout. I mean, obviously you get the penalty on third down, so it doesn't matter, but you're talking another 30 seconds on the clock potentially there or another timeout. So just, like you said, so many little things. And, and really, nobody's blameless in this one. Jalen Hurts, he, he he left some plays on the field. He made some great plays. He left some plays on the field. The the play or the drive right before half, he's got the third and five, and he threw it to A.J. Brown, who was covered, he fell down, whatever. Kenny Gainwell's got his back to the first down marker with his hands up and nobody within 10 yards right in front of him. Like, that's the easy first down to keep the, to move the sticks. Washington ends up with a field goal. The drive before all the shenanigans ensued, on a third down, Hertz hits the top of his drop and immediately just, like, ducks his head and takes off. That was, like, 2020 Hertz, that one play. Yeah. and. Yeah, Landon Dickerson got blown up the play before, totally whiffed, and maybe he's feeling pressure that's not there, but you can't do that. Especially, I think it was third and or something like that. He had Kenny Gainwell in the flat with nobody near. Like, if you need a check down, he was there. That's eight yards. Gets you to a fourth and manageable. So, I mean, and Hurts will be the first one to tell you that before people think I'm I'm hating on Jalen Hurts. I'm not. But everybody, the point being, everybody left plays on the field tonight, and that's not something we've seen so far this year. You've seen a guy have a bad game or make a bad play. You haven't seen the whole team get in on the act. So just really unfortunate circumstances all the way around. Yeah. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, Trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. 
Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Yeah, let's check in. We're going to check in on on Twitter and see what's what's going on in the you know three three words from from the loss. My personal favorite is one that says guillotine for the refs. That actually just makes me laugh really hard. Um, <laughs> what the hell? Bad breaks. This this one's good too. Bad breaks. Fire Gannon's one word. So they really <laughs> abide by the the three words after after the loss. War on Gannon. Should have watched Yellowstone. Butts for defense. There's a few butts for defense in here, which is or butts, butts for, for refs. I got a butts for refs. Yep, defund the refs. Fire Jim Schwartz. We've got a fire Jim Schwartz in here. Um, Sky Judge, please. Obviously, fire Gannon. Fire the refs and Gannon. Yeah, I mean, just so we don't lose the tradition, fire Jim Schwartz. Clearly not roughing the passer. That's not three words, but valid also. We've got some love for our producer tonight. We've got a We Miss Kissed. <laughs> yeah, we have Michael Kissed here behind the glass with us tonight. Um, and No uh, more Covey. Oh end, the Co- end Covey experiment. I have never seen a player continuously get blown up every time he sets foot on the field like Britton Covey. I, Why? I, I was just thinking, I couldn't help but think, with 11 seconds left when Washington had to punt the ball, the perfect absurd ending to this game, to cap all absurd endings, would have been if Britton Covey returned that for a game-winning touchdown. Like, I, and I obviously, I knew that would never happen because I've watched him return punts before and well, sure. knew that couldn't happen, but that would have just been like the hilarious cherry on top of the weirdest fourth quarter I've ever watched in a football game. They they've got to just exactly what you said. All they have they have to just file this one away, turn back around, and and go out and play the Colts on Sunday. Do you think the Jeff Saturday magic can last an extra week, or do you think that 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 ship sailed? Uh, I don't know. They they've got Matt Ryan back under center, so that will certainly that should help out with the pass rush a little bit. Although he did have a nice little juke of a defender on Sunday, and I haven't seen that before. So Matt Ryan is feeling his youth. 40 yards at 40 years old. That that was wild. I've never seen anything like that. But yeah, I would imagine that it will be a pretty pissed off Eagles team that shows up in Indianapolis on Sunday. Um, Like I said, I don't think the Eagles needed a wake-up call. I don't think that – I don't think it was so much a sloppy game as just a whole lot of bad breaks – there was poor yeah. execution from the secondary. And again, a decent amount of that, we, we can talk about this, goes back to Avante Maddox being out too early in the game when Darius Slay gave up a couple of third downs. Both times, he looked like he expected the underneath defender, and I think it was Josiah Scott on both of them, uh, to carry the route that ended up picking up the first down. Uh, they were doing a lot of quarters. It was a route that maybe Slay didn't consider to be vertical where he was supposed to pick it up. And so... You get some miscommunication issues with all the zone-matching things that the Eagles like to do with Josiah Scott in the game now. Instead of Avante Maddox, he hasn't played as much with Darius Slay. And right. Cornerback is a very... Um, cornerbacks are a different breed. It's all about your confidence. And you give some of those up, you maybe start to second-guess yourself. And just that split-second hesitation, that, that can play out big. And so 
it, it can't be overstated the impact that losing Avante Maddox has on what the secondary w- wants to do, uh, especially in a game where you don't necessarily want to go to a lot of just straight man coverage with a mobile quarterback that could get out of the pocket and make some plays. So um, a little bit of a perfect storm there as well. Now you should be able to withstand losing your slot cornerback and, and a defensive tackle that plays 30% of the snaps and the Eagles didn't do it tonight. Mm-hmm. But a lot of things that go into that. Obviously, Avante Maddox is on IR, so he's going to miss at least three more games. And so they're going to have to figure that out. And, you know, maybe it's a good thing. Avante Maddox has been banged up this year. And so, you know, perhaps some of these reps that Josiah Scott's getting right now, those become invaluable down the stretch if Maddox misses a quarter or two or a game uh, in week 17, 18 or into the playoffs. Yeah. And, and, you know, continuing kind of on that injury conversation, uh, additionally to that, there were a lot of guys tonight that were in and out of the medical tent and getting beat up, especially, you know, as you said, with a short week coming up. Um, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see kind of make sure none of those uh, – now everyone came, came back into the game at some point, but hopefully none of those things are a hindrance going forward when, you know, they have been, knock on wood, relatively lucky up to this point in terms of injuries. Um that, you know, you, you hope that that's not something that starts to set in, you know, at, at an unfortunate, you know, kind of crossroads in the season. Yeah, uh, they heard they gave the stat on the broadcast. I think it was 17. They've had 17 of the same starters, like all the yes. way through this season. So they've been the healthiest team in the NFL. Uh, you saw a lot of guys get banged up tonight. And that's not great coming off of a no. longer week. Now you're heading into a shorter week. But like you said, they all ended up back on, and everybody looked fine with the exception of maybe A.J. Brown. Maybe that's why he's quieter. Uh, I don't know. We'll get more about the injuries as they come out throughout the week, but it's something worth monitoring. I, I just yeah. want the Eagles to be back on a normal schedule. Like It feels like their fo- their schedule's been so strange. Like, like you have the bye, and then you play Sunday and then Thursday, and then on a Monday. like Now they've they got a short week again. Two games in the last 28 days. Yeah, it's like they've alternated mini buys and short weeks back and forth, and that that's weird. That gets your routine off as well. But uh, so I'm looking forward to next Sunday, sort of them getting back into that routine. Let's just play on Sundays. That's when football was meant to be played. Yeah, let's just play on Sundays at one o'clock, please and thank you. I'm also I I've had it with primetime games. I'm tired, especially when they lose. This is unpleasant. Like eleven forty one at night. Are you kidding me? And I have to sit here and whine about the refs and fumbles and all this crap. And it's probably going to keep me up at night anyway. I'm not going to be able to go to sleep because one, there's a crying baby upstairs. Two, this is going to keep me up. I'm going to think about this. And this is going to drive me nuts for the next however many days. Because the Sixers don't even play until Friday. Yeah, it's going to take at least at least three or four games of Call of Duty just to get my mind off the game before I can sleep tonight. That's that's a fact. Right. Right. Hertz does not look like the Hertz from last year. He made play. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And his players couldn't hold on to the balls. There were plays left out there for Jalen Hurts. You said it. If you have to put somebody up there who is the least to blame, I think Jalen Hurts would be a top candidate for that position because he was also making the play. Like he was one thing that we talked about a lot of Jalen Hurts is, you know, when they need a drive, he's he is able to orchestrate that thing, that whatever they need, he's been able to get it done. And, you know, his, the rest of the players, you know, sort of didn't hold up their end of the bargain in, in that tonight, unfortunately. And this is true. We will all be grumpy for a few days because we don't really have anything to keep us happy 
now that, you know, the Phillies are done and we are just here with the Eagles and we live and die on how the Eagles perform. And even though Joel Embiid had 59 points last night, they don't play again until Friday. So yeah. we really just have to sit on this one for a little bit. This would be the, this would be the day that they lose. This, this would happen. This is exactly, <laughs> this is very on brand. Yeah. This comment right here, Hurt, Hurts played well enough to win. Uh, he did. He, he lost yeah. some plays on the field still. He played well enough to win. That ball to Quez Watkins should have won the game. Uh, that was a beautiful pass. That should have been six. And it's not. And instead, it's a fumble. And th- there was just too much of that. And I I don't know. I don't even know. I don't even know what else to say about it at this point. Like, you know, I'll get into the film later this week. And I think I'm going to see the same. I don't think I'm going to see anything revolutionary. I think I'm still going to come away and feel like the schematics were fine. And the execution just wasn't. And and it wasn't one player consistently getting beat. It was so many players yeah. making like a one-time, very very costly mistake, fumbling mm-hmm. a ball, uh, yep. ball off your hands for an interception. Just a- every mistake. It felt like the, mistakes happen every game. It felt like every mistake today was in like the most high leverage situation possible. Yep, it was, it was. But unfortunately, we are gonna have to sit on this one for a little bit. And it's going to hurt for a little bit. I did forget how frustrating it was to lose. It was, it, it, yeah. I, what is, what is it like? I don't remember what it's like. This is what it's like. But we're going to. First world problems. Like, seriously. <laughs> Undefeated until week 10 problems. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, on the bright side, at least it's a Monday night game. So we've only, we've only got five days instead of six days until we can get the taste out of our mouths. So there you go. You know what? We're going we're gonna to end that there on some positivity. 150%, we're ending on positivity. We'll have one last day that we have to sit on this until we get to be happy again when they beat the Colts. So thank you for joining us for another rendition of the BGN Instant Reaction Show. It's 11.45 at night on a Monday. Everyone, try to get some sleep. Go to bed. Thanks for hopping on with us. We'll be back next week for a normal time post-game. And make sure you subscribe to every BGN podcast on Bleeding Green Nation, wherever you get your podcasts. Hit that thumbs up button, subscribe, and we will talk to you next week. Go Birds! Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. Support for this show comes from Vanta. Dealing with loads of spreadsheets, juggling different tools, and having to do manual security checks, it can be a headache to keep up with today's compliance and security programs. Vanta is the trust management platform that wants to simplify things and bring all your trust-building efforts under one roof, making growth smoother for your whole organization. Vanta lets you automate up to 90% of compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more. Strengthen security posture and reduce third-party risk. Get $1,000 off Vanta when you go to vanta.com slash vox. 
That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash Vox for $1,000 off Vanta.